morning, everyone, and welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf alongside Nick Wright, Kevin Wilds, Brian Westbrook joining us this morning. Brian, good to have you. Guys, hope you had a nice weekend. Coming up on another Manic Monday here in New York, the real reason Tom Brady left New England, why Cam isn't going to New England, and the very interesting way Nick Wright spent his weekend. That's where we start this morning. You see, Nick left the show on Friday and he said to himself, you know what I really need right now? A list of quarterbacks divided into tiers. So here we are Monday morning with a list of Nick's quarterbacks divided into tiers. It's how we're starting the show. Basically, Nick's brain on a full screen. Here we go. No surprise, you got Mahomes at the top as the GOAT. Below that, you have your superstars tier. So you got Russ, Rogers, Lamar, Breeze, and Deshaun Watson. Interesting you have Watson on this tier. Nick, talk about this one. All right, well, Mahomes, it speaks for himself. He's the best quarterback in the league by a very wide margin. He's arguably the most talented quarterback to ever play. He's the defending Super Bowl MVP and champion. That's why he's by himself. That next tier are your five next best guys. That is your cream of the crop in the NFL. Russell Wilson consistently one of the most underrated players in the league, arguably the second best quarterback in football. Aaron Rodgers, the only person on your screen right now that has multiple league MVPs. Lamar, the youngest player to ever win league MVP, coming off an almost perfect regular season. Drew Brees, the all-time leader in basically everything. And Deshaun Watson, the only player with multiple NFL history, 25 touchdown, five rushing touchdown seasons. And I understand Wilds people might have some skepticism with Deshaun. This is an eye test thing for me. You watch Deshaun Watson, you know he's a superstar. You know you would rather have him than everyone whose name is yet to be revealed. So for me, Kevin Wilds, these are your six best quarterbacks in the world by a pretty decent margin. Yeah, Nick, I'll just say that I love when you do these lists. I think it's, I think it's smart. I think it's good for the show. I, I just don't want to, it's, we're early in the show, so I don't want to have to break the segment, but I feel like there's a graphic mistake because Brady, you had Mahomes instead of Brady at the top. So I don't know if we want to uh, redo well, it or we'll restart it. We'll get to Brady. Listen, I, I, no, no, I, we don't, I think we get, we can keep going. And, and, uh, and I'm very curious <laughs> Brian's take on this, but we'll get to Brady eventually, Wilds. Don't worry. But where do you come out on this, B? Well, you know what? I, I have to start at the top, and I certainly think Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback that we have in our league right now. But when you start talking about GOAT status, that's an end-of-the-career type of thing. And we don't know what's going to happen in Kansas City as far as there's going to be any injuries. Well, Patrick Mahomes got hurt like he did this year, and he came back very quickly. But will we get injuries to Tyreek Hill? Will we get injuries to uh, Travis Kelsey? All those types of things play into quarterbacks uh, and, and their status. And so put him at the GOAT status. I think that's a little bit high. I, I certainly think that he's a superstar. The greatest of all time seems to be a little bit high. The other thing that I probably would take a little bit of exception with is Drew Brees. And I think Drew Brees is awesome. I think his career stats are unbelievable. But at this point in his career, is he really still a superstar? When you look at last year, he missed a bunch of games, um, less than 3,000 yards total passing in 2018, missed a few games there, less than 4,000 yards passing. Is he still a superstar? You know, the last time they played in the playoffs this year, um, they got beaten wild card weekend uh, versus the Vikings. You know, Drew Brees being considered one of the best ever, and I still think he is one of the best ever. I'm not sure that he's still a superstar at this point 
in his career. When you look back through the, the losses, especially in the playoffs, those things come to mind. 2018, they lost in the conference championship game to the Rams in overtime. 2017, they lost in the divisional round to the divisional round to the Vikings. I think one thing you can ask yourself right now in this list, these first two tiers, is Drew Brees still a superstar in our league? If you didn't look at his career numbers, would you still consider him that? Brian's fired up. We got like six more tiers left to go, Brian, so save it. Here we go. We got to keep going. <laughs> Next up, Nick, you got your franchise quarterback. So take a look at this. You got Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, and then you got Matthew Stafford there rounding out the list. Nick, talk us through it. All right, well, quickly in response to Brian's point, uh, I would agree that of all the quarterbacks on the Superstars tier, the one most likely to drop this year into the franchise quarterbacks tier is Drew Brees for the reasons you laid out and because of the age. But on the franchise quarterbacks tier, these are guys that if you have them, you hold on to them. But in order to win a championship with them, you need everything to go right. You don't necessarily need everything to go right, but you need them to be playing their best ball, and you need a really good team around them. At Carson Wentz, we saw his team win a championship when the offensive line was A+, when the defensive line was spec the best in the league, and then he obviously got hurt at the end of that year. Matt Ryan, he came close when they had a top-eight all-time offense. We'll get more on Dak in a moment. Kirk Cousins has played at a level over the last five years. He has to be on this, this tier. Stafford's the most questionable. But he's got the second most yards passing per game in the history of the league. He consistently performs. He's probably the most borderline. And then there's Dak. And this is the conundrum wilds for the Cowboys as far as how much is he worth. He wants to get paid like he's one or two tiers above where he actually is. But if you don't pay him and you lose him, you end up being in nowheresville with quarterbacks. So these are the trickiest guys. You, you have them, you want to keep them wilds, but you are, you're not fully satisfied because they're not quite the superstars that almost all of them demand to be paid like Kevin. Like, Brian, I wonder if, if these, this list would move if these guys won a Super Bowl, if they were on the field it, when the confetti was coming down. Like, I, I'm just, I wonder if, Nick, if that would be the, the, the game that forces them up or are they just kind of like relegated there forever? You know, when well, I, when you I, know, I think the any list. of these guys be uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, Brian. I think any of these guys could move up. But right now they haven't done it. And so right now, I think everyone above them, Brian Westbrook, is clearly a better player than the guys on this level. And all those guys, Brian, you could argue about the order. But to me, they're all grouped together. The one part that I would argue as far as this year coming, I would say that Carson Wentz, when the Eagles drafts a few more weapons for him, could land himself in the superstar area. We saw what he's able to do um, the last four games of the season where he was able to lead that football team. And I think the Eagles have done a pretty decent job of getting rid of some of the older leaders that they had on that football team these last few years. And now Carson Wentz is the sole leader of this team. You add some weapons in the draft, maybe a couple of wide receivers in free agency. And I think Carson Wentz is able to take that leap from a franchise quarterback, which I think at this point he certainly is, to possibly a superstar if he can win some football games and be healthy for the entire season. So what's a notch below franchise quarterback, according to Nick Wright? A tier by the name of serviceable quarterbacks. Carr, Goff, Jimmy G, Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill there. 
But Nick, explain to the audience, what do you consider a serviceable quarterback? Uh, it's a quarterback that doesn't kill you as long as you don't pay him like he's a great quarterback. More on those decisions in a second. But, but a quarterback that if you are going to win a championship with them, you need an A triple plus supporting cast. We saw golf come close with an all pros on both sides of the ball. We saw Jimmy G come close with the best defense in football, the best offensive line, and the best running game in football. But it's a guy that if this is one of your guys, you're always kind of, you know, the wandering eye looking around. Can we improve? And a guy that you want to pay like he is this tier of player, which is why I don't mind Teddy Bridgewater's contract because he's paid like he's a serviceable quarterback, $21 million a year. I think Ryan Tannehill's contract at nearly $30 million a year is something the Titans will instantly regret. And Wilds, I think the Rams already regret the golf contract because they paid him like he was two tiers above where he actually is, Kevin. So, Brian, I think it's funny. You've got the two Super Bowl losing quarterbacks, Goff and Jimmy G on there. If a few things broke the other way, I, Mahomes is the GOAT. These guys are all of a sudden serviceable. If Jimmy G completes one pass, maybe he moves up. But I feel like it's interesting that the two guys that brought their teams to the Super Bowl get relegated to serviceable. Well, that's because Nick's list has to start in a crazy way with making Mahomes the best player ever that has played the game at the quarterback position, which still is in question. You tell him, Brian. Yeah, I, I understand the fandom side of things, but there, that still is a question there, and it's still to be to determined. But when I look at this serviceable list, I, I have to agree with you. I think you could potentially put Ryan Tannehill if he takes that next jump up uh, to a franchise quarterback, but I don't really see a problem with this serviceable list. All of these guys have played well. Um, I don't know that any of these guys could win you a Super Bowl, even if you put some of the best weapons around them. We saw that with Jimmy G last season. All right. Finally, here we go. The tier we've all been waiting for, the bottom tier. So everyone on this list, either in their third year or younger or in their 17th year or older. Nick, so if I'm to read this graphic and this tier correctly, you think these guys are, are worse than the, the tier above it, the serviceable list? Well, what I think is you're more likely to win a Super Bowl or compete for a Super Bowl at this point in 2020 with everyone on serviceable above or above than everyone on too old, too young. The young guys, none of them have even played in a playoff game except for Josh Allen. And his first playoff game, the moment became too big for him to the level of he's just throwing over the head laterals in the middle of the field for no reason. So as much as I like Baker and as, and as good as Kyler's rookie season has been, they've never played in one playoff game. So in 2020, are any of those guys going to win three or four consecutive playoff games, win a Super Bowl? No. And then there's the too old part of it. Phillip Rivers is cooked. He's done. We saw it last year. We'll see it more this year in Indy. Ben Roethlisberger just had a uh, Tommy John surgery. We've only seen one quarterback come back from it. Jake Delhomme had one solid year and then fell off a map. And Tom Brady is 43 years old and all the arrows are pointing straight down. So, yes, everyone on this tier. And by the way, there, there would be a worse even sub-tier because I didn't include say, the Bears quarterback situation, the Dolphins quarterback situation. So there is there, there would even be a further basement. But of the quarterbacks we care about, yeah, this, these are the guys where either they're not ready yet or the Wilds, they're too far over the hill, as in the case with Rivers, Ben, and your patron saint, Thomas Edward Brady. 
I mean, I mean, Tom Brady went 12 and four last year. We all know it, Brian. He belongs. We know where he actually belongs in the goat. Like they refer to one person as the goat and you've got Mahomes up there. So I feel like this whole segment was kind of just a troll wilds thing. It, it was mission accomplished. Fantastic job. Tom Brady's down at the bottom with Daniel Jones. So, Brian, go ahead. Nick Nick got me. <laughs> Excellent job, Nick. <laughs> Kevin, I kind of agree with you there. They put Mahomes at the top and put Brady all the way down at the bottom. You know, you add some weapons to Tom Brady these last couple of years. I think you take that 12-4 record in New England and you change things around. You're really competing for a Super Bowl when you look at last year in New England. There we if go. you were to add guys like Mike Evans and Godwin, but now he has those guys down in Tampa Bay. The one question that I would have, is Kyler Murray, when you add uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins to that list of guys on his team, is he still too young? We saw him do a, amazing things last year with his ability to extend plays, running the football, his accuracy, the strong arm. I, I think when you add him in there, it, you have to start bumping him up a couple levels. And, and not, not only serviceable, I would add, add him to the franchise quarterback list if you get DeAndre Hopkins a couple more weapons and he plays well wow. this year. So I think this season, uh, Kyler Murray certainly could uh, bump up a few tiers on Nick's list here. I, Brian, by the way, Kyler would be the one that I think is most likely to jump. Baker Mayfield would be a close second. In regards to uh, you and Wilds talking about Brady's long list of accomplishments, that's wonderful. That buys you nothing in 2020. And in 2020... You are better off having Jimmy Garoppolo than Tom Brady. You know how I know that? Because the Niners could add Brady, and they were like, no, we'll stick with the good-looking Jimmy G. You are better off having Ryan Tannehill than Tom Brady. You know how I know that? Because the Titans could have had Tom Brady, and they said, nah, we'll give Tannehill $128 million. So I just, I, I understand we're tied to the nostalgia on Brady, but it's not who he is anymore. And Jenna, our graphics team is out of this world great. I just, I almost feel like, though, I, that they made, they, they screwed something up that could have made the segment a lot more streamlined because Wilds and, and Brian are so offended that I called <laughs> Mahomes GOAT status. Would you guys feel better if it was G-A-T-T -T status, greatest at this time status? Because nobody would deny that that person over my left shoulder is the greatest at this time, and the pyramid goes down from there. So, Jenna, when we do this in the future... We'll adjust those couple letters, but those faces are saying static where they are. Look who's joining us now, Colts O-Pro linebacker, Darius Leonard. Darius, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you and your family are well and safe, and we're going to jump right in. You're outside. We're stuck inside. It looks glorious and lovely there. Tell us a little bit about what your quarantine time has looked like the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I was I was in Tampa, Florida, and once they shut everything down in Tampa, I came back down to South Carolina, uh, just to be around the family, and you know, still working out at five in the morning, and you know, then just kind of relaxing from there. Darius, I think a lot of people know your story of the last two years. Instantly walked into the NFL as an All Pro level player, uh, nearly three hundred tackles in two seasons one of the absolute best players in the league through only two years. But I don't know how many people know about the story beforehand. Uh, you, you had some tragedy early in your life. You wanted to go to Clemson, where your brother went. It didn't get an offer. You end up at South Carolina State. 
for which I, I has some amazing football and political alumni, but it's obviously not a Division One program. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your path to the NFL? Because I think it's an amazing story. Um, you know, just, you know, first of all, I went to a small high school here in South Carolina. So, you know, just being overlooked uh, coming out of high school, like I said, um, you know, didn't have any big time offers. Uh, South Carolina State was the only big offer that I that I had. I went to South Carolina State, uh, was playing receiver and linebacker, didn't know exactly what position I was going to play. Uh, then I moved to linebacker, you know, had to fight my way up, you know, just having that dog mentality, wanting to prove everybody wrong and, you know, just getting everything out of the gutter, out of the gutter, you know, that made me um, who I am today, you know, just pushing, just striving to be the best. Darius, I know you're on the other side of the ball, but you guys added Philip Rivers as your quarterback now. What was your initial reaction in hearing the news? And does it, does Philip Rivers' leadership have any carryover to the defense or the entire team? Um, You know, when I first found out, you know, it was very shocking. Um, definitely uh, looking forward to him uh, coming in, uh, being that competitor that he is, uh, that veteran that he is. Um, and you, his leadership skills, you know, being a quarterback, you know, that that leadership role is much bigger than the offensive side of the ball. You know, they they show exactly what it takes to be an NFL ball player, and they show how to do all the right things. So I do think that his leadership role can – you know, spill over to the defensive side of the ball and the treasure team as well. Darius, this has been a, an offseason full of rumors, a lot of quarterbacks uh, circulating around, wondering where everyone's going to end up. You guys got Phillip Rivers. There were reports that the Colts were interested in getting Tom Brady. Is there something to knowing that this is probably Tom Brady's last team or last contract? Is there something to wishing that you could have or wondered what it would have been like to play on a team with a guy who many people call the greatest of all time? Um, you know, I mean, there, there's some times where you do think, um, what would it be like to play against, you know, play with Tom Brady, you know, him being the greatest of all time, you know, him being that leader to being a six-time Super Bowl champion, you know, you want to be around someone who who knows how to win and pick their brains a little bit or, you know, just in practice, you know, facing him day in and day out to make yourself better. So, I mean, you know, there are things that you do really think about of playing a quarterback like that. We've talked a lot about quarterbacks, Darius. I want to ask you about the guy who played quarterback for you for the majority of your first two seasons, Jacoby. I I thought you guys looked like the best team in the division until he got hurt. I know he came back and played through the injury, but he wasn't really himself. When you sign Phillip Rivers $25 million, it becomes his job, so to speak. Do you think Jacoby is a starting quarterback in this league? And yes. at, at his best, how good do you think you guys could have been? Go ahead. Oh, that's that's an easy question. I mean, what we was we were five and two with him, a hundred percent. You know, then he got hurt, and you know, kind of. I think that took a toll off his game a little bit, especially uh, with his knee. You know, that's he, as a quarterback, you got to have your lower strength. Uh, and I really do think he's a quarter, uh, starting quarterback. And I think if he was stayed healthy uh, the whole year last, year, I really do think would have been a playoff contender team and probably run deep in the playoffs. Darius, I'm gonna switch gears a bit here. Last month, we had a big day in my house. My son, who's in kindergarten, came home and said he was engaged. He had proposed to someone in kindergarten. And my wife and I said, we, we entertained him. We said, oh, that's funny. That, that's cute. And we pretended to, to, you know, we paid a little lip service to it. But then I read your story, 
and that you met your wife in kindergarten. So I said, oh, my goodness, I had to tell my wife, how seriously should I be taking my son's proposal? <laughs> you might want to take it serious <laughs> because, I mean, I remember when I was younger, you know, my wife, Kayla, uh, I remember we used to play family back in kindergarten. And now that we're married and we have a family, you know, who would have thought all that playing around in kindergarten really came came true? So you might want to you want you might want to pay that some serious attention. <laughs> I like it. All right, Darius, let's let's return to focus back on the field. You have the the privilege of playing the Titans twice a year, which means you have the privilege of playing and tackling the league's leading rusher in Derrick Henry. What was that like, and what are you, now that you've, you've played against it and tried to stop it, what do you look forward to next season? Um, you know, every, Derrick, Derrick Henry is, um, you know, he's a great running back, and, you know, playing against him twice a year is definitely a challenge. You know, he's a, I always say he's a defensive man playing, playing running back. I'm a small linebacker. He outweighs me about maybe 20, 20 to 30 pounds. And, you know, a guy like me, I love, I always say it's not the size of the dog that's in the fight, the size of the fight that's in the dog. And, you know, just facing him, it makes me so much better in my game. And, you know, um, having my defensive line coming back and adding some new, some new face to the defensive line, having the same linebacker core and, you know, we always say it's 11, plus, 11 uh, versus 1 against when we tackle him. So, you know, we definitely just have got to have everybody get to the ball. I think people watching this interview would be, might be surprised if they don't already know this. Your nickname is the Maniac or Maniac. You see, very understated. You're chill. You met your wife when you were five. You're a family man. It, how did the nickname come about and wh why do you embrace it? Oh, the Maniac name came about... Um, my junior year, after I played against Clemson, I had 19 tackles and a blocked field goal. And I came back on campus, and someone said, hey, man, you play like a straight maniac. And once they said it, um, you know, that kind of clicked. I kind of went with it. And, you know, me on the field versus off the field is two different guys. Uh, on the field, I'm out there running around, jumping up and down, going crazy, just trying to make every single play. Um, then when I'm off the field, you know, I'm the most polite guy, um, very well-mannered. And, you know, nobody would have think that the guy that's on the field is the same guy that's off the field. And I embrace, I embrace both of them. Darius, you guys finished the season one and four, kind of like a lackluster finish. What do you need to do this upcoming year to carry your momentum that you had early in the year all the way through? i got to be more consistent. Um, I, I'm only going to speak on the defensive side of the ball with me. Been one of the defensive leaders. I really felt like defensively we was inconsistent. That was sometimes where we play a great first half and then we go out the second half and don't play as well. So we got to see exactly what was the difference between our first half and second half ball games and see can we fix whatever problem that we have and hopefully we can fix that league and hopefully we can hit the ground running and don't have any uh, inconsistency in our game this year. Darius, when you were in eighth grade, your teacher asked you, what you want to be when you grow up and very confidently just wrote down a professional football player. In kindergarten, you met your friend and you're like, yep, that's going to be my wife. I love that you've had most of your life set out for you long before the rest of us did. We thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been a pleasure getting to know you again. Uh, good luck this season and thanks. Back here, first things first, look who's joining us now. 
Ravens All-Pro defensive end, Clayus Campbell. Good morning, Clayus. Thanks for being with us. Tell us what you've been up to these days, how you're spending your time. You know, uh, just trying to stay healthy and uh, just kick back around the house. I find a creative ways to work out and enjoy myself. Creative ways to work out. A guy who's 6'8", 305. What kind of creative ways around the house? What kind of creative <laughs> things are you doing around the house right now? Yeah, I've been doing stuff I haven't done in years. You know, uh, obviously, you know, when you play as long as I played, you know, you've done a lot of different workouts. And I kind of cherry pick through all the workouts I've done in my life and kind of create the best things for me. But this has definitely been a challenge. You know, uh, I do a lot of stairs because I have I live in a, a high rise. So I have 38 flights. And so I do a lot of stairs. I'm tired of stairs, but I just got to keep doing them because there's no other alternative. And then a lot of stability work, but it's been a lot of fun. Calais, listen, you're one of the most decorated active players in the league. We're going to get into all that. You just won two amazing awards this offseason, Walter Payton Man of the Year and the All-Decade Team, and you changed teams, so a lot to get to about the present day. But I want to go back a ways first because I'm always fascinated by people such as yourself. You're a star basketball player in high school. You long jump 21 feet. You triple jump 44 feet. You're a monster to f football player. What was the youngest age you remember either someone saying to you or you believing, oh, I'm going to be a pro athlete? Like, do you have a story or an from when you were a kid? Like, oh, this is what I'm going to do for a living. Uh, I think that's a, you know, a very interesting question. I remember being six years old and like just loving football. Like football was like my ultimate dream since I was six. And I didn't know so much that I was going to be in the NFL, but I knew I loved it and I wanted to do it for a long time. Fast forward to going into uh, to high school. I was 13 years old. My dad asked me what I wanted to be when I got older. And I said, I wanted to be in the NFL. And so, uh, you know, he made me work way harder than I've ever worked a day before in my life. I mean, literally, we started going out and uh, to like to the local high school area and running track that whole summer. And like literally put me through football drills nonstop. And I mean, it was kind of, one of those things was like, dang, I didn't know I signed up for all this, but, you know, obviously it paid off. Uh, and then the first time somebody really told me that I actually, like, you know, outside of my family that I had a chance to make it was my sophomore year of high school. My high school football coach, Ryan Mullaney, told me that um, if I worked hard enough and kept, you know, just and did everything the right way, stayed disciplined, that I'd be in the NFL one day. Clayus, the Ravens' average age is 26. You recently said that you felt like your last three years, 30, 30 31, 32, you've been getting better. You've been in your prime. What's the balance of, are you getting smarter? Are you getting physically stronger? Is it the experience? How do you attribute that? <laughs> I think it's a combination of a few things. You know, uh, I think I've always kind of been like a late bloomer, you know, believe it or not. You know, I was super uncoordinated my whole life. And uh, I really didn't feel like I got control of my body until I was a little bit older. So that probably plays a little bit of a role. You know, I mean, I'm just, I think, you know, God blessed me with a lot of, you know, physical talent. Uh, but I try to put a lot of time and effort to take care of my body. I mean, I invest a lot of money, a lot of time, and taking care of my body and uh, being in the best shape I could be in. And I think that combined with the knowledge of the game. I mean, playing, you know, 12 years, I have uh, so much upstairs in my head, you know, that just, you know, allows me to be quicker and faster and uh, anticipate things better. And uh, I think that all pays off. All right, Clayus, you're now joining a Ravens team coming off a 14-2 and season, predominantly because of a guy named Lamar Jackson. I'm sure you heard of him. How excited are you to play with the MVP? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm very excited about it. You know, how could you not be? I mean, the guy is ridiculously special. You know, uh, 
you know, I watch him on tape. I mean, there's things he does that like it's just you know, you're like you know, it's a wow factor. You know, in in you know, uh, not even just seeing him run the ball. I mean, I see him you know creating and throwing the ball. You know, and and it's uh, you know it's very fun to see. And uh, as a defender, you know, that's I mean, that's what you want. You want guys putting points on the board, give you opportunity to go out there and rush the passer and make plays. And you know, uh, I feel like my skill set. You know, uh, if I if I can get it. No, we can play with the lead majority of this year. You know, it's going to be a fun year. You know, I mean, it's always fun regardless. I love the game of football. But playing with a lead makes it just a little bit more fun. Well, and Calais, your second year in the league, you're in the Super Bowl. You're, you have a late lead in a Super Bowl. You And I don't know if you were young enough to think, oh, this is how it's going to be. But obviously a decade later, haven't been back. Came really close. I mean, if those refs, Wilds doesn't like to, you know, acknowledge this, but if the refs don't blow the Miles Jack scoop and score, you guys are going to the Super Bowl instead of the Patriots. But, you know, we don't have to get into that. You guys had one stolen from you in Jacksonville. We all know it. We don't have to discuss it. But I want to ask you this. Does this feel like going into the year, potentially the best team you've been on since that team that went to the Super Bowl in, in Arizona very early in your career? Yeah, I don't know. You know, obviously, uh, it takes time. You know, uh, I have to get around the guys and see. But on paper, you know, it sure does look special. You know, uh, obviously, each year is his own separate year. You can't go off of last year's success and, and anticipate this year's success. I don't care who you are. you got to earn it each and every year. That's what makes the Patriots so special because they earned it every single year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I did experience some, some great success, and I, and I feel like uh, – you know, I have a history with, uh, with, with with teams being, you know, really good, and, you know, getting just there, you know. I'm ready to go over the hump, man. I'm tired of just, you know, I've been to Super Bowl and lost when I, when I was a rookie that year. And then, uh, you know, I did think that, you know, I was probably going to be going to Super Bowls or at least in the playoffs every year because that was just what I knew. You know, and everybody always told me, they say how it is. But, as, you know, 21, 22-year-old kid, like, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever, man. This is, this is nice. I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to expect this, you know, every year. And then the next year we went and we lost to the Saints who won it all and to the playoffs, you know, and that was fun. You know, and then, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a, it was, it was dry. You know, we didn't go for a while. And then, uh, you know, 2015, we ended up going uh, to the to the championship game as well. You know, we lost to Carolina and we got, you know, we got blown out. You know, injuries kind of took, took a toll on us. And then uh, 2017 with Jacksonville ended up going to the championship game again. And that one, you know, we were we were up late in the game, you know, th- this close, you know, and that one that one hurts the most. Well, the Super Bowl hurts the most. So that's, that was up there, though, uh, with, with just being so close, you know, knowing you have a chance to win and not getting there. And it's like, man, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, you know, just to get that ring, man. That's the ultimate goal. You know, I feel like I'm in a great situation for it. I feel like this team has all the pieces in place. You know, it really comes down to execution, to making it happen, you know, uh, week in and week out, you know. So I'm ready to roll my sleeves up and get dirty, man. Calais, Nick roots for the Chiefs, and I root for the Patriots. And we heard about this move. We're just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Just the rich get richer with the Ravens. Pro Football Focus had you as the run defender of the year. The Ravens had the fifth best run defense, and now you're on the team. What makes that defense special, and what are you trying to do this year? Yeah, I think uh, first things first is uh, the defense, uh, the back end is incredible. I mean, you got all pro after all pro after all pro. You know, when you look at that back end and what they can do and the depth, you know, it really gets you excited as a, as a, as a D lineman. And, uh, you know, I feel like in the front in the front seven, you know, uh, the mentality is always earn the right to rush the passer. So you have to shut down the run 
and make teams one-dimensional. And then if the offense is scoring points when you're shutting down the run early, I mean, you're going to have, you know, just pin your ears back, you know, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun playing almost schoolyard ball. You know, you can work on different pass rush moves, you know, out there, uh, you know, just living the dream, baby. Uh, I know your friends, Clayus, with a bunch of guys on the Ravens. You haven't had a chance to really practice or play with them yet. But they had a motto last year that went viral, big trust. Have you embraced it? Can, can you give us an idea of where you are on the big trust scale right now? Are you quite there yet? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm still learning about all the different, you know, uh, cool things about the Ravens, you know. And I, I remember seeing that go kind of viral. And I'm, I'm a big fan of it. You know, uh, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it means, you know, but uh, I know, uh, you, you know. You and me uh, both, players. <laughs> you know, the one the one I like a lot, uh, Lamar Jackson always had that nobody cares, work harder shirt. That's like, that's one of my favorite slogans ever since I've seen yeah. it. You know, nobody cares, work harder. That's I feel like the, just the, that's the right mentality to have for any football player. Because obviously everybody wants to talk about accolades, wants to talk about, you know, how they could be this, could be that. In the day, just uh, work harder and prove it. Calais, I talked about at the beginning that what an offseason it's been for you, not only being traded, but some individual accolades that have to rank up there with just about anything I would imagine you've accomplished in your professional life. I know football's the ultimate team sport, but the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is something that they're, they're, the, the list of recipients of that is almost as exclusive as the list of Super Bowl MVPs. And then an all-decade team, an all-decade team that, at least to me, you were a shoe-in for. I know they're two very different things, but can you tell us about the emotion and your reaction to hearing about both of those top-of-the-resume honors? Yeah, you know, uh, the all-decade team, you know, that was just announced a couple of days ago. And, uh, and obviously, you know, you can imagine – you know, uh, just playing this game and wanting to be the best at it. You know, I don't think anybody plays this game and doesn't want to be the best. So you play this game and you really want to be the best. You work hard at it every single day. And to be considered, you know, over the last 10 years to be one of the best players in the game, that's a very special honor. You know, I I, I, um, I was walking around with a big spot on my, my face the last couple of days. You know, I just, just, I've been, you know, just ecstatic the whole time. You know, this is uh, the ultimate you know, uh, just as a football player on the field, you know, I mean, winning the Super Bowl and getting a go jacket are, are, the, are the two, like, you know, the, the main goals you have, you know, and this is a big part of that, being on the All-Decade team, you know, that's a, that's a huge honor. And then going back to the Walter Payton Man of the Year, you know, uh, that's the most prestigious award in sports. You know, uh, obviously, it's, uh, it says a lot about who you are as a person and uh, what, you, uh, what you stand for. And, uh, you know, uh, to me, you know, uh, that's something I know my dad would be proud about. You know, my dad passed away when I was 17. He was a big uh, influence in my life, you know, and he really, uh, I named my foundation after him. And I know that, uh, you know, he'll be proud of all the things I've done in my life, but that would, I think he would be most proud of. And so uh, that means a lot to me. Clay, is NFL draft around the corner. Is there any player that you've watched where you say, ooh, I really like this person. This person's going to be a star. <laughs> I, I usually pay attention to all the, uh, you know, to all the draft talk, and I try to figure out who I think is going to be special and whatnot. Uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, last year, you know, I thought, okay, Josh Allen has a chance to be special, and then we end up getting them. I'm like, oh wow, okay, that's uh, that's kind of that's kind of unique. Now I got a chance to help this guy develop, and uh, that that was a lot of fun. And seeing him go to the Pro Bowl in his rookie year, and you know, produce ten plus sacks, you know, and kind of create a standard for himself. That was fun to watch. Uh, this year, you know, I, I don't think the guys that I was looking at, you know, well, we're going to have a chance to get, they're going to be gone pretty quick. 
Uh, but I do like the Derrick Brown kid, you know, uh, and I don't always just do D-line, but I, I look at all the position groups. But uh, the Derrick Brown kid, I, I like that, uh, you know, he has a great pass rush to his game, but he plays physical. I mean, he's nasty in the run game, plays with good leverage, good hands. Uh, he, he's so explosive, and then he just, I mean, he, he plays nasty, you know, uh, the way D-line is supposed to be played. So, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to see what he does in the, in the NFL. Clay has two games on your schedule I know, I'm sure, are already circled. Your former team, the Jaguars, and maybe the Chiefs. Nick's guy, Patrick Mahomes. Just make us all <laughs> Nah, happy man, he's going to take that week off. Nah, Clay, uh, listen, man, you deserve <laughs> one extra bye week. Rest Don't up. even worry about that Chiefs game, man. Don't worry <laughs> about it. That's the one. Good. That's the one. Back here, first things first, with Steelers All-Pro defensive end Cam Hayward. Cam, thanks so much for joining us. How are you staying busy? Yes, thank you for having me. I'm good. Um, uh, we're just uh, I'm playing with my kids a lot, uh, working out, watching TV. Uh, that's about all I can do right now. Cam, tell me something you're doing during this quarantine time that in a million years you probably wouldn't have either had time or the wherewithal to do before around the house. Ooh. Uh, around the house, man, uh, my wife's been putting me to work, uh, whether it's, uh, fixing uh. stuff, uh, cleaning out the vacuum, uh, putting it back together, uh, all these different things I've been meaning to get to, but finally got to. Cam, you're part of arguably the greatest draft class ever. There was a discussion going on on Twitter earlier this week about that there 2011 was. draft class, the, the top 12 has like seven guys that might be Hall of Famers, a few more All-Pros. Right. You come in at the very end of the first round. You're an All-Pro. I, I, I'm curious, do you think it's the best draft class of all time? And what camaraderie do you have amongst yourself and those other luminaries in the league? Man, uh, I'm biased because I'm part of that draft, but uh, I definitely think it's one of the, the best drafts ever. Um, we had 12 D linemen in the first round, um, you know, and then... You look at the guys who weren't in the first round, whether it's Terrell Casey or Richard Sherman, um, and they've had really good careers. Richard's a Hall, Hall of Famer in my book. Um, but, you know, to produce that amount of talent and then to see those guys um, every weekend, week out, dominate, uh, it's self-assuring to know that uh, the guys that went before me were, were deserving of it. Cam, you had an interesting tweet. I wanted to get your reaction to it. You said, uh, don't be surprised or don't act surprised. And what you were retweeting was the fact that Ohio State sent more people through the NFL draft than any other college, 131 people. So what does that say about Ohio State's program? And who are you excited to see coming out this year? Uh, well, I think everybody knows Ohio State's been a pipeline for so long, um, whether it's the post-Tressel era uh, with Malcolm Jenkins, myself, James Laurinaitis. Uh, Nate Ebner, who was a great special teamer for uh, the Patriots. But then you get the Urban Meyer era where you had guys um, all over Ryan Shazier, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Thomas. Um, and now we have the Ryan Day era where we're going to have guys like Chase Young, who I'm really excited about seeing. Um, I've been excited about him since last year where I saw him dominate versus Penn State. So uh, to see him do it at the NFL level is going to be fun. Um, I'm excited for his career. Uh, he, he's a heck of a kid. Cam, we heard from Ben Roethlisberger uh, for the first time in a while, about a week ago. I guess you guys have a beard thing happening, all you <laughs> players that are quarantined right now. His is, his is Sorry, good. Sorry, we don't, have a, we don't have a barber anyway, right now. Come, <laughs> no, I get it. Believe me, I get it, all of us. 
So he had some interesting comments about uh, his availability if the season is to start on time. And he said um, he'll be ready when it's time. Are you confident Ben will be the same quarterback he was before the elbow injury? He's been out a while now. Yeah, you know, but I look at it as time. It's, it's time for his body to heal. Um, you know, you look at LeBron taking that time off last year, finally getting a chance to rest from the playoffs. Um, and I kind of look at it like that, where Ben gets a chance to relax and let his body, you know, catch back up. So um, I know he looks like he's been on castaway, but, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see where he's going to be out at the end of this. <laughs> but it looks like he's been on castaway. I, I, I got to ask you two things. So one quickly here, right. uh, uh, Cam, I, the, are the pictures just not flattering? Because he looks like you in the beard. He also looks like he might be the same weight as you right now. Like, either dispel or confirm those rumors, then I got something else to ask you. I just, I just think Let's the beard makes it way, makes your face way bigger. I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I know I have a big head, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, I think for Ben, um, the beard's going to make, make, make you look bigger than you are. Um, but I think he's been doing a great job of staying in shape. Uh, I actually think he was doing a lot of cardio uh, throughout the season, um, just trying to make sure he didn't butter off. So uh, I don't think he's, he's going to be looking pudgy out there when we get out on the football field. Okay. Okay, good. I was, I'm unless, not unless we start around concerned. Christmas okay. and he's going to come off a Christmas dinner. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then, it, then it would be a problem. Uh, all right. I, I want to follow up, though, with Mike Tomlin. Tomlin's mm -hmm. won a Super Bowl, been to another one, never had a losing season. And somehow when right. we talk about the best coaches in the NFL, it's like, hey, Sean McVay's up there. Hey, what about Kyle Shanahan? Well, Belichick's obviously there. There's Andy Reid. Tomlin somehow gets left out, even though, aside from Belichick, put his resume up against any coach of his era, and it's right there. In your opinion, what makes Mike Tomlin such an effective head coach, and what is it like playing for him? You know, I think a lot of people talk about he's a player's coach, um, but I think the thing that stands out is he has personal and professional relationships with everybody. Um, he knows how to motivate me uh, in different ways from the next guy, um, and that's why I think the player relationship matters. But uh, when it comes to the football field, um, he knows how to motivate me and, you know, test me and be more petty towards me when he gets a chance. Uh, but I appreciate that, and the consistency, I think, uh, goes a long way. It's hard to, in this in this league to win, um, and when you can do it at a consistent level, uh, it should be appreciated. Cam, you said you wanted to be a Steeler for life. I'm a Patriots right. fan, and uh, Tom Brady said uh, Patriot for life after he signed for Tampa Bay. That was like, oh, geez, it was a disaster for me. <laughs> so for you, how important is it for you to finish your year, or excuse me, finish your career in Pittsburgh? Uh, well, being born from here, um, this being my dream team, uh, I couldn't ask for a better situation. Uh, I've had a lot of success here, but there's still things I want to accomplish here. But uh, my family's set here. Um, I'm just very appreciative to be in a spot like this. Um, I, doesn't, I know it doesn't come around this often, and you know, guys don't get to end up where they want to uh, through the draft. So um, I'm just very appreciative of that. So we always ask players, you know, who defensive players, you know, which quarterback do you want to go up against, you know, offensive players, who do you most fear on the other side of the ball? But coming off Wilds Brady question here, what would keep you up at night more heading into a Patriots game? 
Brady or Belichick, Cam? Ooh, um, I, I think on the field, you got to go with Brady just because um, he has that uh, that rapport with the receivers in the past. So that's going to be interesting to see him address that from here on out, uh, going a new squad and a new team. Because Edelman's been like there forever. Uh, and, you know, when he gets into a rhythm with Edelman, it's over. Uh, but Belichick's always going to have those wrinkles. Um, him and uh, McDaniels do a great job of game planning. Um, and you got to make sure you go back in the archives to make you make sure you're ready for those games. All right. Well, Cam, we really appreciate you joining us this morning. 